Hello, Duff and Kira Dyer here. Welcome back to Loving an Addict. This podcast is inspired by a great loss, our daughter Emma, who passed away from an accidental overdose. Our desire is to spread awareness, love, and hope, to also hope that help those who are striving to love the addict in their lives, because we know that that person is so much more than an addict. Hi. Oh, hey. Welcome back. Aren't you pretty? You weren't here last week. Where were you? I was not. I was absent. You were working. I was in timeout. You were. I was. Why were you in timeout? Well, go Why figure. were you in timeout, little I Jeffy? was speaking out of turn. <laughs> I was passing gas in class on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Blaming it on the teacher. Now you have to tell that story. Just a quick verse. Shout out to my brother, Andrew. I think he was like 10 or 11. He got sent home from school with a note that said, we caught him passing gas in class on purpose today. Yeah, that's a big deal. Turns out it was his buddy that blamed it on him. That's so funny. Such a good story. Yeah. Anyway, good to be back. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah. I was flying solo last week. You did a good job. Thanks, honey. Yeah, you did really good. Thank you. Oh, really quick. A note from our sponsor. We have a sponsor. Air Jordan. <laughs> Golf edition. <laughs> if you don't look good, we don't look good. Air Jordan. That might be like a hairspray or shampoo or something. Mm, I think it's Perk Plus. I don't know. I love it. Good job nailing them. Wow. We would be nothing without the sponsorship of Michael Jordan. I know. We wouldn't have any of this glorious equipment and, you know. Yeah. All right. Episode seven. 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 Yeah. Can you believe it? We've come so far. It it seems like it's been, it was just yesterday we did our first one. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, man. Okay. Today might be a little heavy, but today we want to show a video that Emma made a couple of weeks before her passing. She had an awesome spiritual mm, awakening. Awakening. Yeah. I think Emma throughout her life had felt the spirit here and there. Like I know she did at yeah, times. I think she was a spiritual person. But, just, you know, most of her teenage and adult life. She had a, she struggled really hard with believing that she was. Had any worth. Worthy of love from the heavens above. And as much as she desired to feel that way, I know that she didn't really believe that about herself most of the time. Yeah. That was the hardest thing to watch. Yeah. As a parent, that's so brutal. And I know there's a lot of parents out there. Most of them aren't listening or watching, but the 12 of you that are, thank you. (laughs) We'd be nothing without you. Know what we mean when you see a child that clearly does not believe that they are who we tell them that they are or who God or heavenly parents or the heavens have tried to say you are who we say that you are. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where it started. Emma, someone from NA shared a song with her. It's called Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship. I guess it's kind of an old school Christian rock, your favorite music. Oh, (laughs) I 
grew up on Christian rock. Are you kidding? You have that blaring in your car all the time. Can't get enough of it. That and classical. <laughs> classical is probably your first love, mm. I think. Oh, right. Hit the coin dust. <laughs> Imaginary coin. Okay, so there's some wonderful songs, but this one, for whatever reason, I, I don't know if she, I don't know the backstory. I don't know why he shared it with her. If she was just wanting to have some Maybe he, he picked up on what we picked up on, you know? The thing about, shout out to the NA and the AA programs, the thing about those programs, because, you know, I, I attended, gosh, I, I don't even know how many, but a handful of meetings with her. Yeah, and I did too. That they're very real. They're very authentic. They don't let you pretend in the meetings, right? Like they call each other out. What? And speaking to one of the people that she knew really well there, she said, you know, so much of the work you're doing in NA is you have to be a thousand percent honest yeah. with yourself, with your sponsor, with, in your with meetings. God. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. With the group. Yeah. Anyway, like we said, we don't know the backstory, but for whatever reason, he shared this with her and she listened to it. Yeah. She brought called, her to tears. She called us. Called both us. Of us. Yeah. Crying and, you know, we were not together, but. Oh, was that the day that I bumped into the missionary? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Was, that was then. That was that day, yeah. So she shared this video that we'll share with you. We'll pare it down a little bit. It's hard to hear because she's really emotional. Also, just how she had these realizations finally that she was enough, that she is who God says she is. She belonged, that she had a place in his house. Right. And there's a line in there that really struck me. Yeah. What was that? I think it's, it, it says my father's house and it made me think of, of being her dad. Yeah. And trying to think back, gosh, was there ever a time where she didn't feel like she belonged in my home? And I hope she never felt like that. Even setting boundaries and things, you know. And making our mistakes. Yeah. But yeah, we are right. We tried really hard, especially when we were, I guess, more educated with this. Mm -hmm. We really tried hard to always make all of our kids. That's really our number one goal. No matter what, they is, were accepted. Yes. is yeah. to show love and grace to them and not put our worth on their accomplishments achievements yeah. Yeah. yeah it was i don't care we love you and we want you around which is really hard to do as parents so a couple of things if it's okay i'd like to share sure. that i and we have learned in the last few months especially but i keep saying over and over again i'm a huge advocate for reminding everybody that it's going to be okay no matter what no matter who you are, no matter what choices, circumstances, how many times you've fallen down, couldn't pick yourself up or could, but maybe not the way you wanted to, whatever the situations. I tried to put in perspective having the ability to create a world with a plan as like call it heavenly parents or glorified parents and coming up with this way for billions of spirit children 
to have experiences in mortality, gain a body and understand the frailties of, of being mortal. And one of the most important aspects of this is to fail frequently so that we can learn and then say, do we want to create it so that only some of them can return or do we want to create it so that they can all return irregardless of the inabilities, the disabilities that they have, the challenges, the turmoil, you know, hardships. Because no one is void of those. Mm -hmm. And to make it essentially an unfair test for most and to say, well, you didn't do good enough, so you can't come home. Yeah. I and just don't believe that's the case. And home meaning heaven. Home meaning, meaning heaven, like, yeah. like an eternal home to come home to. Yeah. Now, the most significant piece to this is the savior in his atonement, mm -hmm. his sacrifice and, and his resurrection, obviously. But the atonement is what puts everybody back together. Yeah. It's what makes everybody whole. And I've met a lot of good people in my life. My mother is one. Some of our grandparents, you know, we talk about. You might say me, you might, <laughs> but I don't know anybody worthy of standing next to deity. Yeah. So how does anybody get home? Right. Well, the only way, the only way we all get home is through the grace and the compassion and the love and the acceptance of Christ and his atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what that looks like for everybody after this is all said and done. We're all going to need to rely on the Savior's love and compassion and empathy and understanding of each one of us so that we can all return. Now, another piece to this reckoning was a number of years ago, it was probably the first time that Emma went to her first program and it was a devastating year. Like everything was just so different, heart aching and gut wrenching, having to say goodbye to your child for an entire year with occasional phone calls and stuff. It was really hard. Yeah. And I had this thought one day I was at work and I think she sent me a letter and I was reading it and, you know, brought a few tears to my eyes and I thought, wait a minute. Let's say that I don't see her for 50 more years and she decides to go out and live this like really horrific, ugly, you know, life filled with choices that I would hope and pray that she didn't make. Okay. And she knocks on our door and we're 80 something years old. And she says, I'm really sorry. Can I come home? Do you really think we would tell her no? Do you really think we'd say, well, you know, you didn't check all the boxes for 50 years, so you can't come through the golden gates. I don't believe that. Heavenly parents are essentially setting most of us up to fail. Yeah. I don't believe it. That doesn't make any sense to me coming from perfect beings, right? Mm 
and this is coming from two people who are Christian, who believe in Christ, uh, not only us. This is also advice from places like Narcotics Anonymous when they're like, you have to have, and mm-hmm. an AA, you have to have, have to rely power. on the higher power is a part of one of the steps for them to for heal. recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Which also is probably why her friend shared that song with her to get her to understand, hey, you're enough. Right. He probably said, look, you love music, right? Well, here's a song that I think you would love. Yeah. So what we're going to play for you after this is the clip that we, that she shared probably two or three weeks before we found her, where she had this like, maybe for the first time ever in her life, the realization that she has a place at the table. Yeah. When for a number of years, she never believed that. Right. Adversary is very good at his job. He's very good at convincing people that when they fail, that it's over and you're not worth it anymore. Right. And that would be my advice if there are any addicts listening to this. Or those that love addicts, please pay attention. They are worth it. Well, and just every day, find a way to remember that worth, you know, whatever that looks like for you, whether that be prayer or meditation, you know, scriptures, whatever that is to help you remember your worth. Because like you said, the adversary wants so bad to tear you down at every chance that he can get. So it's our job to keep reminding ourselves that we have worth. I I do believe that there'll there'll be a time where the Savior puts his hand on my shoulder and asks me a couple questions. I think he'll ask everybody these questions. I could be wrong, but I think one of them is going to be, hey, when through your mortal experience, did you experience joy? Did you know, did you feel joy? And the answer is yes, I have felt joy many times. However, in order to know joy, you also have to know, we have to know sorrow and suffering, Mm -hmm. right? Suffering is such a vital part of our existence because it's oftentimes is a binding agent or experience to get together with others, to rely on others, to rely on the heavens above. We believe in God. Yeah. And it's okay if people are listening that don't, but So however you see the heavens, right? Or a higher power. Or a higher power. Whatever that is to you. But the second question that to me is more important is I think he's going to ask me if I helped others feel joy. I think that that is probably the number one responsibility that we all have. Yeah, we're told to love others the way that we love ourselves, which... At times it's really hard because it's hard to love ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So even when I don't necessarily love me very much, I could still bring joy to someone. Yeah. Right? And you're really good at that, honey, mm-hmm. at giving people joy. You, through humor, obviously, is... Duh. <laughs> no doy. Is one way because you're a funny guy. But I think also, like, we're in group settings. I feel like you're looking for people on the outskirts. Remember when you used to come look for me? 
Well, yeah, there'd be times I'd be like, where is he? Like, we're having a conversation with our friends or whatever. It yeah. Is. Coming out with the cool people, <laughs> no. the jocks and the cheerleaders. And it wasn't that. It wasn't about the cool people. It was like, just like, where did he disappear to? Like, you would disappear a lot. Mm. You would. You still do. You I do. do. I act like it was in the way, way past. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> You're talking about yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no. You, I feel like you do a good job of looking for people on the outskirts, whether it be people who are kind of maybe awkward or like don't feel included in the group. And you're like, I'm going to go talk to them. And you strike up a conversation who you could literally talk to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. And you bring them joy. I mean, how many times did I hear from your guys at the celebration when you won the big competition? All of them were like, I'm here because of you. And I stayed because of you. Because you bring them joy. You create this culture of oneness and uh, inclusivity. Is that the right word? Inclusivity? We're going to call that a word. Okay. Even if it isn't. <laughs> and the girls are the same way. You know, the girls will, you know, laugh about, oh my gosh, well, dad is so silly or whatever when you take stuff to the next level. But they're always like, where's dad? Where is he? Because you bring people in and you make it fun and you help people feel joy. Hmm. You're good at that. So I've already passed the test. You did. You passed. Okay. <laughs> and then the second thing was the parents that are listening, if if you're somehow able to raise your children and your grandchildren and never experience heartache or sorrow or suffering, I don't know what life you're living, you know? And I don't say that really in jest. I mean it. So what's, why, right? Like why? And I believe that this is where we learn how to be, like what divine parenting is like, what divine grandparenting is like. Because at any moment, God could reach down and he could save us. He could stop whatever it is. I, he has the power. He has the ability. And sometimes he probably does. And maybe I don't even know that he is. Yeah. But I think majority of the time, our heavenly parents just allow us to go through these things to learn here what it's like, what, what it's like for them to parent as divine beings, just allowing us to all go through these experiences almost excited to see who we become after, even though they probably already know. So those are things that help. It's instead of saying, oh, why all the time? And Jesus, like, oh, okay. So this is what divine parenting is like. It's not always puppy dogs and ice cream and rainbows and so those are a couple of things that have been really helpful that I've learned and maybe those will help other parents and even children of, of addicts that are parents or if you have siblings, anyone close to you, we all deserve a place at the table. We all are worthy of our father's house. And Emma, I think she did know that watching the video tells me that she had a, a at least a brief moment 
to feel that she really did belong. And as much as we've known that her whole life, it does bring more peace to me. I am actually really grateful that she had that experience and that she shared it. Yeah. So that we could share it with everyone else. Okay. All right. Well, remember, there's always, always hope. And always, always help. Just a heads up, the sound is really off on this video. She recorded it when she was driving in her car. So I tried to clean it up a little bit. So hopefully you guys can hear it okay and get the message that she wanted to get across. So I've been like hella listening to Christian music, which is so weird for me. But my mom has said before that like not every spiritual experience is meant to be shared. Like they're too sacred. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like at this point, it's all kind of general for me. You know, like I don't feel like I've had any spirit led or spirit-filled experiences that are like too personal they're just kind of the general of like start becoming to believe coming to believe you know and i love that phrase in na like you're, you're starting to you're making progress too and there's this song that says in my father's house there's a place for me and it hit me just now that i didn't think that there was I thought there was no place for someone like me. I would never get there. But it's crazy. And, it's, and I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. Because it, it doesn't make sense when I say it out loud, but it makes sense it, when I think about it and when I feel it in my heart. I never thought I would say that. I always thought I'd dip my toes in different forms of Christianity. And then that would be it. After the sermon, after the service, after the talk, I'm going home and that's all I'm going to, I'm not going to think about it for the rest of the day. I'm only going to think about it for that moment. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess if I ever pull back from this feeling and, and, you know, maybe I will. I don't think that I will because it's genuine, like, joy. I've never felt that before. Even as a kid, like, when I was at church and I wrote about my baptism, I was like, yeah, I felt the spirit. And now looking back, I'm like, I think I was just writing what everyone else was saying what everyone like I thought they wanted me to say man the more that I was like in the church and was like becoming a fardened shell of a person I kind of was like this is it for me and it wasn't at the time that doesn't mean that I didn't have a place I believe that almost everyone has a place I know God loves everyone but I don't think everyone should be allowed you know, if you've been an awful person. Uh, anyways, I just think the more I thought about it, 
I was like, my life isn't really revolving around this stuff right now. And then when I went to treatment and I was like really involved in the church, I don't really remember being like, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go on a mission. Like I wasn't like committed to the religion, but it made me feel good to be there. And that's fine. That's great that that was beneficial to me at the time. I think any form of connection is great. But afterwards, I was like, I don't have to go anymore, you know. And of course, my life was hell for such a long time. And I don't think that necessarily had to do with me not going to church. Because when I was going to church, it still sucked. And it's because I wasn't connecting in any way. And my faith journey is being built on just like beginning to connect and it's all coming together. It's not like completely fit, but it feels like puzzle pieces I've been missing are starting to come together. And that means more to me than any church lesson, any freaking talk. Like I, I have been touched by talks. I have been, there's some lessons where I'm like, that's beneficial, cool. But I, like my mom said, I cannot give this to someone else. It has been given to me personally. Nobody knows the darkest of thoughts in my head. Some of them I've shared, but most of them, nobody knows. And I'd like to believe there's someone who knows. I don't know of a surety yet, but... I think I'm starting to come to certain realizations that really lit me and I cannot explain how they happen other than it's an inspired feeling that takes over, that takes over, uh, fills my soul when it's like joy. You can believe it. I always wanted to get relief and my relief was substances. My relief was cutting into my skin as deep as I could with each time, like progressing. And to me, that is the progression of the disease. It's, it always gets worse, never better. He's my relief through maladaptive coping skills and pain is so intense. It takes over wanting to healthy coping skills because I'm an addict I am like I have had so many behaviors that I wanted to stop so bad and I couldn't but maybe this is a video you'll stumble across I don't know I don't know and maybe not maybe this is just good for me to get this out because every other video has been like yeah so life sucks and it is okay that life sucks I'm also in that headspace. It's okay. And I never thought I would say that. But I would always look back with, I think the word is contempt, like a negative feeling. Looking back on my past, no, I don't. It's weird. Because so I feel like with more work and more release, this faith journey, I will feel like that more and more. I hope because in this moment, I'm like, it happened the way he needed to. And of course, I've always thought that. Like, what am I going to do about the past? 
but it's a little bit different when you've lived with shame for so long. It's like, well, you're an idiot. You are literally such a loser, you know? Um, little mama, you are such a loser. Sorry. I got to incorporate what I like. And if it's worldly, sorry. Like, this is where I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? Then God's going to meet me where I'm at. I Again, I would like to believe that. But I feel like that's happening right now. God knows that I babe. God knows that I drink coffee. God knows that I love piercings. God knows that I love tattoos and they mean a lot to me. And sometimes it's just fun because it's something I don't even like, but it's fun for me. God knows that I may not be done having sex before I'm married. God knows that I swear like a sailor. God knows that I say his name in vain when it's still like I feel... A, a little bit bad about that. God knows that I'm going to make mistakes. I would like to believe this, but it makes sense to me. If people have said this and it resonates with me, so be it. I would like to believe that God is, God has been waiting for me. And now I'm starting to take, now my footprints are in the sand too. I don't need to be carried anymore. Because for the longest time, oh my goodness, I couldn't walk on my own two feet, literally, then figuratively. I was so hopeless, so empty. And I had to be lifted like out of bed every day, forcing myself. And that footprint in the sand poem is so cool because it's like, I have been carried for way too long and that is okay. But now I, now I'm walking next to someone who loves me unconditionally. You know, like when Gabby will kiss my scars, I hope that. I get, you know, if we're perfect when we get to heaven, cool. But I hope that they're still there when I get up there and I get to feel the healing hand of Jesus. I never thought I would say that name like that. But that's why it means so much to me. I think I'm realizing that now is because Gabby, Jesus is living through a two-year-old child. Who sees my owies and has nothing negative to say about them. Who sees my owies and just observes them. There's not stares. There's not offensive questions. It is just kiss owies. That's it. And I would like to hope that one day there is a healing hand on them rather than an uncomfortable sensation that comes over my body when anybody touches them because i would like to believe that jesus is not just anybody if millions of people believe in this guy come on there has to be some sort of truth there anyways the phone's getting wobbly and it would annoy me to watch this whole thing like that but realization
Za. Okay. Don't you just love her quirky personality? <laughs> I love her in this. Just it's her and I love it. And I miss her dearly. Just remember if you could please like, share, comment, give a thumbs up, all of the above. This is going to help us reach other people in need of this podcast. And we want to take you out again on the recording of Emma singing and playing the piano with a message we believe she wants everyone to hear.